Hi, everybody. Welcome to the 2011 Region 2 Convention. My name is Ellie. I'm a compulsive overeater and your moderator for this session. Well, first off, because there are still some people drifting in, uh, let me just ask you, are you having a good time? Yeah. Um, I'm just going to take this moment to tell you some of the other things that R2 has to offer. Um, if you like what you heard in some of the other panels or the workshops, uh, you can take it with you all year round. So stop by at the recording center table outside the Houston room. They're going to have CDs or MP3 downloads of all the sessions, and you can order in advance. Now, if you were at the play last night and saw all those beautiful changes that Liz, who played Maria, made, that all came from the Rags to Riches Boutique. So let me invite you to go see what you can buy. And I will model $1. $1. So um, that's another thing that you can do. We also have our boutique next to the boutique or is the hospitality room, but it also has a silent auction where you can bid on the Dodger tickets, a computer printer, airline tickets, and other wonderful prizes. We also have magnets and pins, and they all have different sayings from the program. And finally, we have our T-shirts on sale. Unfortunately, I'm not wearing one, but they are beautiful. And we're going to begin now. So um, let me start by saying that would everybody please, if you have cell phones or pagers, shut them or put them on vibrate, hopefully shut them. And in order to preserve our cherished tradition of anonymity, please refrain from taking pictures at this or any other meeting. So let's keep those cell phones down. Okay, uh, will all those who care to please join me in the serenity prayer? God, grant me serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Okay. The title of this panel is Long Timers, 5 to 10 Years. The format for this, sec for this session is a reading from our literature, three speakers, and questions from the Ask It Basket. As the speakers are sharing, we'll pass around the basket with paper and pencils that will be inside them so that you can ask questions later. You can direct it to a specific speaker, or you can just leave it general. Please make sure to keep the basket moving, even if you've already passed it. So it may go around more than once, because maybe you didn't have a question then, but you do now. 
All right, I'm going to start with the selection from the big book forward to the second edition. It's pages XX and XXI 20 and 21. And if we could, uh, so far, upon the total problem of several million actual and potential alcoholics, or compulsive overeaters in the world, we've only made a scratch. In all probability, we shall never be able to touch more than a fair fraction of the eating problem in all its ramifications. Yet it is our great hope that all those who have as yet found no answer may begin to find one and will presently join us on the high road to new freedom. Our first speaker today is David B. from San Diego, who will speak between 15 and 20 minutes. Thank you very much. You forgot to ask us to sign a disclaimer, or maybe we did that there. My name is Dave. I'm a compulsive reader. Hi, Dave. Try to be more serious here. Not really. I came in. A, my, I can only share my experience, strength, and hope with you. Uh, I came to Overeaters Anonymous August 17th, 1976. Uh, that's when I came in the door after uh, numerous diets, shots, and pills, uh, and uh, going to uh, my my healthcare provider at Kaiser Permanente when I found out about the stomach bypass surgery sometime in. In, in the 70s when it first came out and I, she said you're, you're not a candidate for it you're, you don't have high blood pressure you don't have I was very disappointed I didn't have high blood pressure or congestive heart failure or because uh, I had hit, I had hit a bottom with uh, overeating uh, I didn't think it was funny anymore and I was the jolly fat 300 pound fat man that uh, you know people would say uh, what's wrong with you so I'm just fat done stupid and ugly and that's the tape I brought into Overeaters Anonymous that ran 24 hours a day, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'm all this kind of stuff, you know. And so, uh, that was, that's how my journey started here, but it, but it started a long time before that, uh, because I was born, uh, May the 22nd, 1944, and my name was Robert Lee Henderson. You know, my name is David Edwin Burge now, and I was, uh, orphaned by my mother, uh, and, uh, uh my, my, Mother that's passed uh, adopted me, and they they probably probably would have been better off telling somebody like me that I was their child rather than being adopted because uh, my little mind said, "Gee, there must be something wrong with me," and that's and my mother did everything she could to make me feel better, and the number one thing she did was give me food when I was upset, you know, and uh, and, and to her best efforts, you know, I, I ended up in Overeaters Anonymous, uh, very unhappy, uh, although I didn't know it. I, I didn't know I was hap unhappy. I didn't know uh, uh, I was angry at myself. I didn't know. I found those things out later when I was in Overeaters Anonymous, you know. And my sponsor said something very meaningful to me uh, at one time, and he said, you know, Dave, you wouldn't know a feeling if it hit, hit, it in, hit you on the windshield, you know, which is very true, you know. And so he would help me identify my feelings, you know, I'm like a lot of men's. I, that feelings are for women, not men, you know. But 
So now here's where I am today. I look at my dog and I start crying. You know, that's where I am today. So uh, he makes me a mess, you know. Uh, and I, uh, you know, in many inventories later, I realize that it's hard for me to let somebody love love me and follow me around like that. It's very uncomfortable to to, to receive for me. So uh, anyway, uh, I'm abstinent. I need to say this at at the podium. I'm abstinent today by the grace of God, I'm, and I'm. I'm on the five-year panel because even though I've been coming here 35 years, I, my first 10 years were gray sheet, weighed and measured, leveled off, cups and spoons, wrote it down, called a sponsor, sponsored food, food sponsor because I wasn't smart enough to be a step sponsor. I hadn't worked the steps, didn't want to work the steps, didn't want to know anything about God. We called people that talked about God the God Squad, and we stayed away from them. They, at Denny's, they had coffee down there, and we had... Food people had coffee down there. So that's where I started. How could God want to have anything to do with a, with a mistake like me? And then folks like you, over the years, I kept telling me, you know, God loves you, Dave, unconditionally, without any further plans for your improvement. And so they, that's where the healing takes place in Overeaters Anonymous, is all the love that I received and, all, uh, and people calling me on my, on my negativity. You know, and challenging my thinking. That's one of the greatest things people have done in this program, is challenged my thinking about myself and about God. So, uh, the, 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 uh, so, you know, I struggled. For, I went back out and ate again because I was 10 years absent. I, I spoke at the maintainers meeting every year, you know, and, I, and I, I counted the days and years of abstinence, and that was, that's who I was. Dave, seven years, six years. Uh, nine years, Dave, ten years, you know, and pretty soon, like uh, one of our leaders uh, used to uh, say that led the retreat, uh, she, when she had her slip in, in AA, she said, uh, you know, is that all there is? I mean, that's, that's it, you know. And uh, I decided that uh, I've been in the program uh, for a long time. I'd, I'd led retreats. I was on the retreat committee. I was chairperson of the intergroup. I was almost a trustee. Uh, you know, I need to, I need to, and then somebody at a meeting said, you know, there's life outside the program. The mo- most terrible words I ever heard. And I said, you know, they're right, you know. So uh, I got a better job. I got another wife, and uh, I bought a better house, and uh, and my wife cooks. And uh, and then she said, well, well you know, you love uh, the youth group, and then you love OA, and then you love me, you know. So uh, I got back to OA through another program that starts with an A for folks like me, you know, that need to detach. That would give you a clue. So uh, I, 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 came, uh, I came back home one night. And I said, you know, I've got to go to OA. I've I, I got to keep, I'm sneaking away to, to go to the meetings because I'm also a weak male. You know, I, I learned that in the OA, you know. Uh, that uh, you know, I I, I never had a uh, I never had a real male mentor, you know, and it's necessary for a boy growing up. And my father never felt comfortable. Uh, one of the wonder, most wonderful inventories I ever did was to investigate my father's life to see what happened to him, the man I hated. And by that, I was able to forgive him before he dies. One of the greatest things that's given to me in Overeaters Anonymous was the gift of forgiveness. My parents, you know, and. Uh, the healing that happened between my father. The man I was afraid, I was afraid to tell my father I loved him and, and my girlfriend 
and the program said, well, you know, I'll, I said, will you be there when I tell him? Because I'm afraid, I don't think he'll hit me if uh, you, you know. My father had cancer. He weighed about 130 pounds, you know. And I told him, Dad, I love you. And he said, well, I love you too, son, more than you think I do. And, that, and he put the ball back in my court. You know, I, I didn't know what to do with that. So that's a beautiful, that's another, just a gift of this program. Yes, you know, so I don't, I don't walk around today. So uh, before I get too far off topic, uh, I want to say the blue, you know, being a mechanic, uh, uh, we, we work with blueprints and manuals. So uh, I have to have, you know, they gave me the blueprint when I came in. They said, get a sponsor, get a food plan, call your sponsor every day, call three people every day, go to meetings, do service. And so over the years, I, well, I've, I've been in the program. Uh, I, don't, I don't need to do all that stuff anymore. Well, I had to say that and go back and gain 50 or 60 pounds, whatever I did, so that I could learn that what they told me when I came in the door was still true. You know, So humility, to some degree, is returned by the grace of God. And uh, so you know, that's my blueprint. I get up uh, every morning. The first thing I do is read something spiritual, and it's sitting on the toilet. You know, that's the best I can do. And sometimes I have to read it five times because my mind's busy mind starts going in the morning, you know. And I read it over and I read it over until I get it. And I, and I try to take that through the day. And, I, and I, have, I have win-win relationships with people. And I affirm myself. I'm worthy to be part of Overeaters Anonymous. I used to, I used to think, who'd want me on the fellowship, you know. I'm, I'm, if these people find out about me, they won't let me come to meetings. I know none of you have ever felt that way. But uh, thank God. But that's what I felt. And I, I'm a member. I, I deserve to be here. I deserve to be in the world. I have a God that loves me, that's with me always. And I can live. I can. When I was a little boy, I asked my mother. I wrote this down. I wanted to say this. When, I, when my mother adopted me, they had to leave a light on in, in, my, in my bedroom. You'd put the sign up yet? No? Okay. Pretty close, though. But, and uh, uh, and I, I asked my mother, I said, you know, why was the light always had to be on? She said, well, you were scared of the dark. And I, and I, and I realized when I came in over, over Eaters Anonymous, 32 years old, I slept with the lights on and I didn't know why. That's a beautiful thing about this program. And I shared it at a meeting and a man came up and said, that's why I sleep with the lights on. Thank you. So uh, the thing I was, my, I had to level my pride to share that because a man's not supposed to be afraid of anything, you know. But uh, <laughs> I, I sleep in the dark now. <laughs> But, I, I mean, those things are powerful, uh, th those patterns that, that we, we let go of. Anyway, uh, I was able to go back and talk to my mother about what happened to me when I was a child, which really was disturbing to her because it made her feel like she didn't do a good job, you know. And I said, well, she goes, well, that OA program, you're living in the past. Well, I said, no, the OA program says we don't regress the past or shut, re reach to shut the door on it. So uh, the inventory in the 10th step an ongoing process for me and uh, it's it's what's healed me over the years and uh, so uh, anyway I, I get up and I, uh, I I do my meditation and 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 I I go in and I, I I have my I have my thing on the wall because my wife cooks bakes not only cooks she bakes and my this is funny I want to get this out I prayed that my wife would get sober because she hadn't been sober very much as long as we've been married and uh, so you got to watch out what you pray for. So my wife gets my wife fell and broke her shoulder drunk in the bedroom in the dark, tripped and broke her shoulder. And she said, and that's what sobered her up. She said, you know what? 
Alcohol did that to me. Alcoholism did that to me. And she started going to meetings. And her service in the AA meeting is to bake cakes for people. So when I get up in the morning after I get done with my meditation on the toilet, I go in the kitchen and there's Richard's chocolate and there's Joe's and then there, and everybody else has got to have something. So there's a plate of those things. And I won't you know, we'll be specific about that uh, with respect to you. But uh, that's how powerful got you have your hand over. It's five minutes. Oh, OK, there we go. <laughs> that, 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 that's how uh, powerful the relief of this obsession has been this time is that I can put that up on the counter and make my and measure my half a cup of oatmeal and and measure my third cup of egg beaters and, and, and fix my breakfast without that bothering me. That's pretty powerful because that's not where I came from. You know, and, uh, uh, anyway, and, and then I go for a walk. I, I have my walking clothes right there because if my mind starts going, it'll say, you know what, you're 67 years old. You don't feel good. You didn't sleep that well last night. You probably don't need to walk today, you know. Besides that, you might get hit by a car. <laughs> Anything could happen to you, Dave, you know. <laughs> Sit down, read the paper, take a nap. I get, I put the clothes on. The first thing I do after I, you know, and I, I go out, and, and, it's, and it's the best thing I ever do. Now, I, I do that because my doctor told me to. You know, I went to a, I have a doctor that's like 28 years old or something like that. And this time my willingness came. Uh, I went to Sarah. I said, okay, what do I need to do? She said, well, I've been an overeater. It's not us for a long time. Yeah, you need to, you know, uh, uh, follow your food plan, Dave. You know what to do. And uh, keep exercising and don't anything, eat anything with a uh, barcode on it. <laughs> Whoa, never heard that before, you know. So that leaves out just about everything but fruit and vegetables. Okay, so... So I'm, it's like I'm back where I started, you know. Uh, uh, and I, I, one of my favorite movies is Gandhi, and, and at some point he says, you know, I've come all this way just to come back home. You know, and I thought, that's, that's, that's my story, you know. i come all this way to come back to weigh and measure my food. I'm a compulsive overeater. Only consider, any considerable time, I'll consider myself not a compulsive overeater. That hasn't changed in 35 years, you know. And so uh, I need to take, uh, I need to do that. So. Uh, I wrote, you know, so I go to, I go to three step studies every week, almost every week. Uh, th those are the kind of meetings I like to go to, where we're talking about the steps. Uh, I have a sponsor. I sponsor a lot of people for me, not for them. I don't know what happened. Some lady, I recommend this lady. She just called me on the phone. I've been having lunch. She says, "I took your advice. I found a woman sponsor. Thank you." Click. I said, "That's great." You know, I, I recommended she find a woman sponsor. You know, she did. You know, but I sponsored her. You know. And, and I sponsor people that, 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 that other sponsors fire. I love that, you know. People that fire. I don't know how you do that. I can't do that. God never fires you. I don't know how you could fire somebody. <laughs> they usually fire themselves, you know. So anyway, uh, uh, I had some things. And I, you know, I, read, I like to read. I have to. I have to. I choose to read positive spiritual things that edify my belief in God uh, and, and make God bigger than the problem. And that's that's happened for me. And uh, like, uh, uh, do I say I, I have? It's very important for me to have a win-win relationship with people, and uh, to always enhance and maintain their self-esteem. Uh, and that that helps my you know, people worry about their self-esteem. 
that's the greatest thing I learned is that if I can enhance your self-esteem, it enhances mine. That's funny how that works. And uh, and realize that there's uh, no big deals. You know, uh, I don't have to create a crisis or keep one from happening. So uh, that's that's you know that's the way. I, and and then the last thing I put down there was uh, the 12 step. It's so important to me. Uh, I, I do as much service as I can, and I enjoy it. I, I really enjoy the service I get to do in the program. I'm so glad a lot of people don't like to do service because I get to do it. It's just wonderful, you know. I'm on the, I'm involved in the intergroup. I'm involved in the office. We just moved our, our oasis, uh, and I got to work with the best people. Like I say, the best people that you meet are in Overeaters Anonymous. That I've met are in Overeaters Anonymous. And I mean, the guys were out there sweating, moving the furniture, and uh, we just and laughing, and we had a great time doing the hard work, you know. And it's all for the also somebody can walk in the door and get the same break that I did, you know. So thank you very much. Thank you, Dave. Our next speaker will be Colette from San Jose. everybody. I'm Colette from San Jose. Hi, Colette. And I am a compulsive eater and a food restrictor. Um, one thing that I brought with me today is a lifeline. And this is the August 2008 lifeline. It's called Long Timers Share, Then, Now, and Not Yet. If you don't remember reading this lifeline, get a copy of it and reread it. Great stuff. Um, if you can't tell, I'm a lifeline, lifeline rep uh, for a meeting, and um, we need more lifeline reps. So when you go back to your meeting, check and see if you can do some service and be a lifeline rep. Okay, so in August 2002, I had a friend, and she came to me, and she had gone to a counselor, and her counselor said, hey, you need to go to OA, and she was scared to go by herself, and she said, well, um, you know, my counselor said I got to go to OA, can you come with me, and being a good friend that I am, I didn't know what OA was. I had heard of Alcoholics Anonymous, but I'd never heard of OA. But I said, okay, I'll go with you. So we both walked into the door, and um, this meeting was a standing room only meeting. There were at least 150 people in the room, and that was great for me because we immediately got separated. My friend is a people person just like I am and so we separated and I went straight to the back of the room. I wanted to hide. I didn't want anybody to uh, know I was there 
I didn't want anybody to talk to me, and I didn't want to talk to anybody else. So um, 13 months um, before that, my daughter had been killed in San Jose, and I was in grief mode. And the only way I knew how to deal with grief mode was to binge eat so I could take the feelings away. And um, so when I was in that meeting, I sat there and listened. And I had found that I was lonely inside. And I thought, man, is this all there is to life? being lonely inside and feeling like you don't know what you're doing with yourself and having problems with all your food and overeating even though you don't want to. And I found at this meeting that there were people just like me who had a problem with overeating or had a problem with undereating. So I decided that I had found a new home. In August 2002, I found Overeaters Anonymous, and I didn't even know that Overeaters Anonymous ever existed. So years before in college, I had used restrictive eating patterns to deal with my teacher and parent expectations and a very heavy class load. I was a perfectionist who always made the grade. And if I couldn't control the massive rules of my parents and teachers, at least I could control my body size by food restriction. My weight went down, my grades were high, I graduated and I got my first job. Living alone, late night eating uh, runs came about twice a week. I had yo-yo dieted since the age of seven when my mother put me on my first diet. My weight slowly started to return, and when I married in 1986, um, my weight was back down to the weight I had in college. Um, marriage and pregnancy uh, continued to add to my weight. And um, I got to a top weight of 196 pounds, and I was very miserable. Um, I got to a healthy weight two more times while my kids were growing up, and um, then I yo-yoed again to 196 pounds. Okay, so um, when I found OA in August of 2002, after 30 days, I had a general abstinence of a 301 program, three meals a day, nothing in between, and one day at a time. And I started the steps. I got a sponsor. I got a step sponsor, and I got a food sponsor. And little baby steps taken through that food history taught me my target foods, and my weight started to come off slowly. 
I was so happy I started doing service at my three weekly meetings. Okay. Fast forward to August 2008. I had heard the pro promises over and over, seeing them come true for others. Somehow, I just didn't believe that they would ever happen for me, and I had changed my food plan four times, losing 20 pounds and keeping that off. And for me, that was a big thing because I did yo-yo um, dieting, and I could diet, lose weight, get off that diet, and with one week, the weight was starting to come back on. Um, so I asked my HP to help me maintain my weight, for which I did for a whole year. That totally blew me away, staying the same weight for a whole year was something I didn't know how to do. And so, um, by the grace of my higher power, I was able to do that. So, wanting to see the promises come true for me, I started a master's program and I finished it in November of 2010. And um, I was able to maintain my weight within two pounds throughout the whole stress of um, going to school again. Okay. And now for about the last three years, I've been on a fifth um, different food plan due to um, more new food allergies and the fact that I have to be gluten-free. And in January of this year, I started weighing and measuring my food and my weight um, started to go down again. I've lost 35 pounds and two clothes sizes slowly but surely in this program and I am keeping it off. I have also learned how to grieve without overeating. Two years ago I helped my mom through the loss of my stepdad. Meditation and a daily written food plan kept me clear-headed and able to be of support to others. I continue to learn about myself on this recovery journey, one meal at a time, one day at a time. The promises do come true slowly for me in a master's degree, ability to support others in grief, keeping my weight steady and losing more and also walking a 5K through the willingness to be more active. Service, a sponsor, a food plan, and patience with yourself are keys to getting a healthy body and spirit one day at a time. Thank you. Thank you, Colette. As you can see, miracles can happen in this program. We all start someplace, so I'm glad you're here. And we will now hear from our third speaker, Natalie from Camarillo. I'm Natalie, compulsive eater bulimic. Hi, Natalie. 
Um, first, the statistics, I guess. We'll start there. I came into this program um, at 88 pounds, um, 15 pounds less than I weigh now. And since I've been in the program, I've met um, two women who are obese, and are, that's why they came to the way, and they were originally anorexic. So I don't kid myself, this disease will get me one way or the other. Um, today, my life is like it says in the big book on page 84 to 85. We have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even compulsive eating. For by this time, sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in compulsive eating. If tempted, we recoil from it as if from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally, and we find that this has happened automatically. We feel as if we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. The problem has been removed. And that is my reality today. Um, today I respect my disease and I don't mess around with food. Um, but when I came to the program, I was a master isolator, I was an overeater, and I wasted a lot of resources like time and money on excess food. Um, one example of isolating is um, I, during parties, I would spend um, the party in the kitchen eating hors d'oeuvres instead of mingling with guests. Um, as an overeater, a snapshot of that is that I learned that uh, large quantities of popcorn and diet soda can be vomited really easily and you can repeat that process three or four times during a DVD movie. My movie of choice was The Little Mermaid. And um, wasting resources, that was um, really, I spent a lot of time pursuing cravings. I would spend an hour um, pursuing cravings instead of studying for tomorrow's final, for example. And I went to a competitive university and I wasted a lot of learning opportunities uh, pursuing Domino's and Mrs. Fields. And, um, but finally, um, I, all that came, finally, there's a silver lining to that. I was able to, um, well, I had a last binge experience where I was in, on my knees in front of the refrigerator sobbing because I'd just eat, overeaten so much. And uh, that was when I finally became willing to take uh, direction. When I came into OA, I would not take direction. My first sponsor um, said I wasn't ready to do the steps, and she, I waited for a year, and we still weren't doing the steps. I wanted to do the steps and get going. I knew how to do that, right? You, you, you learn this program, you follow it, and you get better, and that's what I was ready to do. And she instead would say things like, um, wash your face before you go to bed, or did you make your bed this morning? And I thought, well, what does that have to do with food? But she knew that I wasn't ready to take direction. Um, my second sponsor was someone who was very with it, very cool and funny, and I loved working with her. And after 11 months, she just dropped me abruptly. And um, she said that, uh, you know, I need to get out of God's way so that he can do what he needs to do with you. And, again, I just wasn't willing to take um, any kind of direction. So I, But I had that experience where I was on my knees in front of the fridge crying, and, and that got me willing to take direction. And then, um, since then, um, if I could say um one more time, I could be a rich woman uh, if I got a dollar for every time I said um. But anyway, um, <laughs> today what it, my life looks like is that, for example, in my career, 
when I have trouble with um, coworkers, I go home and I pray for them. I do not harbor resentments against them. And I might get upset by a phone call or an email that comes my way at work, and I wait for 24 hours before I respond to that. I go to my sponsor. I get good counsel about that issue um, before I do anything. And I have learned to become more of a peacemaker rather than a part of the problem when it comes to work. Um, with friends and relationships, I have learned to trust myself. By being abstinent, as you probably know, you learn to trust yourself and um, also to learn to trust my higher power more because if I can trust myself with the food, I just start to build that foundation of trust. Then I become willing to become vulnerable and that, through that I become a better friend. And um, the last one is my emotions. They, they, I used to eat to squelch emotions, and now I live through emotions. So um, I experience life. For example, the last 15 months, um, my mother passed away of ovarian cancer, and my dad didn't want to live without her. So uh, 14 months after that, he shot himself with a shotgun, and I found him. And um, so when I found him, I called 911 right away, and then my second call was OA sisters, you know, OA friends. And they came right away and stayed with me for four or five hours and helped me through that whole process. It was wonderful. But um, in this program, I've learned to take care of myself. And so to, to get through that experience, I've really been taking care of myself. I get counseling. I take good care of me. I, I lean on my OA friends. And um, I also stay abstinent. And so that means that I get to live through experiences and feel them. And then maybe if I meet someone who, you know, unfortunately has a similar experiences, I can help them because I've learned from my experiences. So um, staying away from the food, that's what that's done for me. Um, these are, as far as the blueprints for life with sustained abstinence, the topic of this, here's the top 10 do's and don'ts that I practice. I'm sure that you've heard of many of these before and you probably are doing many of them. But these are what have worked for me over the last six years that I've been abstinent. I've been in the program seven years. Uh, number one, I stop eating foods I start to crave. For example, if I come home with a package of corn tortillas or whatever and they seemed fine and I was work, starting to work with them and then when I start reading something or working on the computer and they start to call to me like I need those or I start wanting to put them in my food plan every single day. I it's a red flag to me that that's a problem. And so I will, I'll do something like not let myself have them back to back one day after another, but kind of stretch out the time I eat them until the package is gone. And I will not pick up that item again until I can do so, I mean, at the grocery store, without any anxiety or that guilt feeling of putting them in, in the cart, you know, like I know I shouldn't do this, but well, then I just don't. And it usually takes about three months before that goes away. Um, and it's different foods at different times. Number two, oh, I didn't bring it. I have a little um, toy, a squeezy toy that um, I got at Toys R Us, and there's all different kinds, and I keep one at my desk at home and one in my car and, uh, and one at my desk at work, actually. And when I want to, I just play with that toy and I squeeze it, and that stops me from wanting to snack, uh, drink diet sodas, or chew sugarless gum. And it really just satisfies all those needs and... Uh, it's a healthy way to deal with that. Number three, I walk 30 minutes a day. Dr. Oz suggested, and it works for me. Um, number four, I occasionally, when I can, leave the best bite on my plate on my plate 
or I leave my last bite on the plate. I learned that from a friend who's Buddhist, and I guess when they get a when they make a platter of food, they take the best part of the platter and put it on a small plate. My understanding is that it's out of respect for their higher power to just be grateful. And so occasionally when I can and I remember, I do that with a little bit on my plate. Just to, two things. It reminds me that my higher power is more important than the food. I've had plenty of food. And number two, to see if I can do it, just to practice a little self-control. You know. Um, Number five, I keep bread in the freezer. When I come home with a good loaf of bread and it's just yummy, it goes in the freezer. That's a good place for it until I need it. And I take out what I need the night before and defrost it in the fridge and, and work from it that way. Uh, number six, I don't eat desserts that are laden with sugar. Um, even if it's Christmas or, or whatever, your favorite holiday or my birthday, um, I won't eat desserts or any kind of sweets that have more than 20 grams of sugar. And I don't eat those very often. Sugar is not a good thing for me. Um, number seven, I measure some foods and I do count calories. No, this isn't a diet and calories club, but I've read in our literature that Roseanne counts calories. So it works for me. Um, number eight, I don't eat a lot of meat. And number nine, I definitely work steps with sponsors. I'm going through them my third time with this sponsor. And number 10, I do all the tools on a regular basis. I get to meetings, take a service commitment, uh, call newcomers, and that takes, you know, that extra effort of like, okay, jotting down their number because they're a newcomer and keeping it and calling them that week. I do try to make two to three out call, reach, outreach calls per day, journal each morning in response to a OA meditation book, Voices of Recovery is my favorite. Um, and I talk to OA openly with friends and family whenever I get the opportunity. The most important tool for me is sponsoring. I've learned more from my sponsors, I think, that I, than I've ever taught them. They really taught me how to be patient and moderate and kind. And um, they, their food plans and, and the, their abstinence looks way different from mine, but they lose weight and they keep it off. And they, they're a reminder to me of how hard it is to get abstinent and how precious it is to stay abstinent. And so it like reinforces me to keep working this program day in and day out. Um, so I hope that something I've shared has proven useful to you. Thanks for letting me be of service. Thank you, Natalie. Uh, we're now going to take questions from the Ask It Basket and if you give me a second, I'll get it. Uh, this is directed to anyone. Have you ever 12-stepped someone? How did that go? Yes, um, I have 12 steps someone. Um, today, in fact, I, getting ready to be here, I shared my what I had planned with someone who is a friend of mine who I know is an impulsive eater and not in the program, and I debated whether or not to approach this person with um, 
material they're not really familiar with, and now this person wants to go to a meeting. So I found that any opportunity I have to talk about the program is just a plus. You know, it really, um, it's, it's me carrying the message, because like someone said earlier, I didn't even know OA existed until someone told me about it. So that's, I think, yes, definitely I have. Okay, again, directed to any of the panelists, what do you do to avoid getting lazy in your program? I did. I'm going to ask uh, the panelists that when you want to answer, if you come to the podium, so it's being recorded, and that way everybody will be able to hear you. Colette, compulsive reader. Um, with me, to keep myself from being complacent about doing program, I'm always ready to do service. That's the first thing that I do. And um, to keep me doing my step work, um, I have scheduled times when I talk to my sponsor. So I have to keep up with the step work. I love that question. How do you, how do, you do 12 step work? Have you ever 12 stepped anyone? Yes, I have. Dave Compulsive Reader. Uh, OA has these cards you can get. They're very inexpensive. And I put my name and, and telephone number on it and, and my email address and, and the address of our OA where there's a lot of information on it. <clears throat> and I, uh, I did this because uh, my sponsor used to get in his car and take some lady from El Cajon to Pacific Beach when that's the only meeting we had in San Diego on Thursday night, and then drive back to the you know to the house, and, and then drive her home. And uh, and I said, well, you know, why in the hell do you spend all that time? And he said, I don't want to get drunk, you know. And so I think when I'm when I'm desperate enough. Uh, I started to do that, you know, to, you know, I'm just going to the hospital and looking for another drunk like the AAs did. That's why I look at it. And uh, the other, I walk every day and I walk by this bus driver uh, and, he, and I know the guy had to be at least 400 pounds. And he was, he, he was waiting for the bus schedule to change and he was leaned over smoking a cigarette at the bus bench. And I walked by him and I, and I, I did the same thing probably everybody else does. I don't, man, what if the guy gets pissed off, you know? 
But there's something in me, I turned around and I said, you know, I belong to this program. I've been in it for 35 years. I, I, I used to weigh 300 pounds. Here's a lot of information. If you ever want to know anything about it, you can call the website or call me on the phone anytime. And the guy says, you know, I really need that. And anyway, I had a nice conversation with the man. Whether he comes to OA or not, I don't, that's not my responsibility. I planted the seed. And uh, I, I had a great day after that because I knew, you know, I have a conscience, and I knew I did the right thing. Here's one that I I like. It has nothing to do with food, but one of the miracles of the program. Describe the biggest transformation in your emotional life as a result of these steps, and have you worked all the steps? Describe the biggest transformation in your emotional life as a result of these steps. Dave, compulsive overeater. I think the biggest thing that happened to me right off the bat was my sponsor, uh, I wasn't willing to write uh, and so I was very fortunate that uh, my sponsor got kicked out of his house. I got my wife divorced me. My divorce papers said respondents suffered severe personality change as a result of involvement of, with the program of Overeaters Anonymous. It says that on my divorce papers. And I, and I cried when the man served the papers on me and my sponsor laughed and his girlfriend got mad at him. We were in my apartment, our apartment. And he said, thank God he suffered a severe personality change as a result of involvement in the program of Overeaters Anonymous. But he had me write one time because I let somebody go. I was on the retreat committee. And I let somebody go to the retreat, and, I, and I'd given them so much power that I couldn't say no. And I think what I learned uh, by writing my resentments over and over again, and uh, I was very disturbed by it. I didn't know why I was disturbed. didn't know what I was feeling. And he said, why don't you just write? We had a, a retreat leader. He says, if you just take a pen and write, cuss words and everything, just anything that, that you know, I'm not going to repeat the words. You, you, you may have said some of them yourself. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he said, about the third or fourth sentence or the second paragraph, some incredible stuff will come right out of the consciousness on the paper. That's true. Uh, a lot of people they say they can't do that. They have to use a computer. I, I like to write. Uh, Maybe I'm old or something. But I found out that I was really angry at myself. I thought I was angry at you. I was really angry at myself for not telling you no. Uh, that that, that was, that's a, was a powerful thing, you know. And I, I'm pretty good at doing that now. I still have trouble with it. Anyway. Now we can post a video of And yes. Since I have worked the steps, my life is so much more peaceful than it used to be. I really trust um, myself more, and I trust God. So that means that I don't run from situations, and I don't run from people. I don't run from conflict. I don't run from confrontation. And I'm so surprised to discover that most of the time it's never as bad as I thought it was going to be. You know, And the more that happens, the more it reinforces me to just trust. You know, let go, let God, uh, 
don't worry about the things I can't change, only change myself inside. So, yeah, that's really been a big blessing. I sleep better at night, and that's more healthy, too. Okay, this is directed to any one of the panelists. What keeps you coming back after all these years? I'm Colette, compulsive overeater and food restrictor. The reason I keep coming back is because I have learned a measure of self-acceptance of myself. I have learned um, about my family of origin and why I react with food the way I do. I also know that if I don't keep coming back to these rooms, my abstinence will leave and I will gain the weight back that I've lost. And I don't want that for myself right now. Um, I want to have a healthy body. I want to be emotionally healthy and spiritually healthy. And I hope to live to 100 if I'm uh, able to do it um, healthily and still be active. Dave Capulco, reader. I think after a period of time, uh, I just see how the benefits of this program and how much uh, it is a part of my life. And I'll say it again. Uh, where can you get friends like this? Uh, the, I mean, it's just amazing. I have so many friends. I have such a social network, and I meet so many people that are... Uh, I'm working with this lady, and she's got a, a, a hell of a job... Uh, responsibility for taking this care of this big condominium complex that that's huge and and uh, she was t you know telling me all the stress that she has and I and she says I just go home at night and I don't know what to do you know, I go home by myself every night I don't know what to do you know and that's the way I used to I used to go home at night and eat you know and uh, I mean it's there's the phones always ringing there's always people around uh, you know, I can't hardly wait till Saturday to go to the Oasis and see, uh, you know, Linda and Gina. And, you know, I've got all these people that uh, that I've known for 30 years, you know, and they're still my friends, you know. My sponsor's 90 years old. He's wonderful. I'd love to have just sit there and have lunch with him and just tell him. I tell him every day how much I love him, and he tells me that, too. What a relationship, you know. We've been there for each other for 30-something years. Where do you get friends like that? Do you have bad days? And what do you do to remedy it? Uh, 
um, when I have bad days, that's the perfect day for the tools. You know, um, I reach out and I call people, and I try to remember what that I had bad days before, and I've made it through before, so I'm going to make it through this one too. When I have a bad day, one of the first things I do is grab my journal. If you guys notice, I've got a journal up here. I've, I've uh, found some nuggets that I've written down and taken, and I'm going to take home with me. Um, and going through that journal, it shows me when I had a bad day before and what I did. Um, it also gives me the positive information from OA that I need to keep myself on the right path and to keep my food plan from going to pot. Um, I also uh, will do meditation and deep breathing when I have a bad day and I definitely call somebody and we talk it out. Dave Compulsive Reader. Uh, I think about the third year I was in the program, I was suicidal. Uh, I was abstaining. I weighed 173 pounds, uh, and I, I was nuts, you know. And and uh, uh, I, I ran two cars into the same curb at the same place on different days. I mean, I just my just was running scared. And uh, and I, I finally went to, to uh, a guy sponsored gave me a dime. That's how long ago it was. He said, make a phone call. <laughs> and uh, I called uh, my, my health insurance provider, and I went to see Dr. Woods. And Dr. Woods listened to me for six months tell, tell about how I was in love with this woman that didn't love me and I was, didn't want to live and all this stuff, you know. And, uh, and, and, I, and he would just sit there and go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I see. And so... Uh, he gave me three really good things because he listened to me. And he said, here's three things that you do. I said, well, you, have, you haven't told me what's wrong with me. And I said, well, that's for you to figure out, you know. Uh, and, and he says, but I will tell you three things that you do. He says, you only focus out of a very small lens. You don't open up. You need to open up the aperture and see the whole picture. He says, you don't look at how far you've come. And you think you're supposed to be happy all the time. That was a big one. And, and that's that's what happens to me. I, I'm a grandiose ascender. I, I think when things bad happen, I just ascend over them, you know. And uh, so when when I'm feeling uncomfortable or something, it's usually something I'm not dealing with, you know. Uh, and uh, it it uh, or I'm in a I'm in I'm most of, a lot of times I'm in just too big of a damn hurry, and I need to stop and slow down because I'm 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 a thinker. I'm a doer. I'm you know I'm a I'm a you know, I need to be a human being and not a human doing, you know. So slowing down helps a lot, just stopping, you know, and uh, being quiet. My mother used to, uh, she when I'd do that, you know, be running around, they had a harness on me when I was a little boy because I'd run off, you know. And if I was, they took me to Yosemite, they were afraid I was going to run off a cliff, you know. So they had a harness and a leash on me like a dog, you know. And I'm glad they did. <laughs> and my mother would say, sit down and close your eyes, you know, so... I do that sometimes, but uh, uh, every, every, you know, like Doc says, you know, everybody has 
uncomfortable days. And it's you, and, and it's like somebody said, it helps me to, that journaling is magic, you know, just to sit down. And the other day I wrote, I don't know what's wrong with me. That's always what comes out first. Uh, you know, I'm, nothing's going on. It's the same old mundane shit every day, blah, blah, blah. Nothing exciting. Oh, ho, ho, I want a crisis. It came out right there, about three sentences. Dave wants a crisis. He's not happy without a crisis. And I said, oh, that's, that's, and that's today. That's all I needed to see. I just need to let go of that. I don't need excitement all the time. You know, but my little kid does. I have a little kid inside of me, little Davy, and he wants everything. He wants it now, you know, like the little girl in Willy Wonka, you know. I want a, I want the golden egg, you know. And, and you know, I, I, don't, I don't need to have the golden egg, I, you know, today. So, thank you. That's that. Even after the amount of years that you have, how has your disease manifested even with the recovery that you have? And how have you adjusted program to to work with that? Um, I'm Colette, compulsive overeater, food restrictor. How I, how, what has happened with me, I'm um, close to being uh, nine years in the program. Um, I am eight and a half years abstinent. And um, I still have days when I have cravings. Um, the, the hard thing about that is that since I've been in program, I grew up with food allergies, and since I've been in program, I've gotten more food allergies. So my food has, the foods that I can eat um, have gotten fewer. Um, so one of the, the craving that I have most is around something that is not gluten-free. So how I deal with that, I definitely don't have anything like that in the house. Um, and I usually use journaling, music. Um, I always have something to drink, a bottle of water or, or uh, diet tea. Um, do some meditation, and if none of that works, then I get on the track. And for sure, if I get on the track, um, that takes the craving away. I was thinking about the blue, the, the blueprint, you know. Uh, I have a I have a toolbox that they gave me when I came in here, and the longer I'm in this program, I see the importance of being more. I have to be more involved in the program than you do. I don't know why, but I have the disease, and it's it's cunning, baffling, and powerful. And over any considerable period of time, I'll say it again: uh, I can get worse, never better. Uh, 
I don't have the obsession today like I had it before. And I think in part by, and I'm, I'm sure, it's because I don't have a lot of flaming resentments and I don't have the wild uh, outbursts of anger that I used to have because I, you know, I keep working the steps and I go to those step studies and keep hearing that stuff over and over again, you know. Uh, the grouch and the brainstorm isn't for Dave today, you know. I don't, I, I, sometimes I have to turn off the political stuff that I love to listen to because it's not good for me, you know. Uh, I, I have to stop doing some things I used to do and, uh, and uh, reflect on something else, you know. So, yeah, I find a great deal of contentment in, in sitting down in the park with my dog. Call me an old man sitting in the park with his dog. It works. You know, it's a wonderful, pleasant thing. I would have never done that when I came in the program because there, there had to be something to do somewhere. I had to go there and do it, you know. So uh, I think uh, that, you know, for me, the disease, the stronger my spiritual recovery gets, the weaker the disease gets. But I have to reflect on reading that spiritual stuff, uh, praying, thinking about God, knowing that I, the presence of God is always with me. Somebody gave me that gem and I stole it from him. I don't care. I believe that. I think God is always with me. Call me nuts. Works for me. Thanks. Natalie Compulsive Theater Bulimic. Um, yeah, the way my disease has manifested itself is that um, doing, being good and working my program, I became obsessed with being good and, work, and doing a perfect program. And so, again, when I came to the program, it was the food that I would, you know, be trying to carry on conversation with you, and I would just be thinking about that candy bar or whatever I wanted and just get the conversation over with. I had to get to the food. And that's been lifted. I don't obsess over food anymore. It's such a relief. But how my disease manifested itself is I would start to obsess with my food plan and, you know, organic food and, and preparing and counting and, and calories and all that. And, and I, I would actually think I was good, a good person, because I was working a food plan and staying abstinent. And um, so that in, became a problem. And so what I've learned from my sponsorees, um, how my program has changed is using moderation. Um, now, I, for example, um, when I, going through what I went through with my father, um, one night I didn't feel like eating dinner, and a friend took me to a movie, and so I, I had popcorn for dinner. You know, that, that's not something, I, I wouldn't recommend that to anyone. I hadn't done that in seven years, but I told my sponsor, I, I'm skipping my, my dinner plans, and I'm instead having popcorn. And, and so that meant that that night I went home and I knew that I had had dinner and I had to wait until the next day for breakfast. So I have those nice parameters that the program offers. And so when I step outside of them a little bit, um, I'm safe because I, I keep those same parameters, you know, uh, three meals a day, whatever, if I'm allowed snacks or, or however my absence is set up, and then, which I'm allowed two optional snacks, then, um, and I, but I knew to stop and then to wait till breakfast the next day. And um, I hadn't touched sugar in six years. And then working with my sponsorees, again, moderation. Now I, you know, I stick to no more than 20 grams of sugar per serving. Um, I'm not obsessed anymore with being perfect. And I am more able to connect with others since I've lightened up a little. So that's, how my disease is manifesting itself now.
Can I say one more thing about that? I love what you said. Uh, somebody gave me a gift. They said, you know, Dave, you were perfectly abstinent on Gracie for 10 years. And that's probably why it didn't work. He says, they should try replacing ab, uh, uh, perfection with excellent. I can do, I can do an excellent job. And, and then another sponsor told me, why don't you try being 90% accurate with your food? That's amazing what happens for your 90% accurate. It, it, all the, all the pressure leaves, you know. I'm not perfect, but I'm, my, my food's really accurate. And it's excellent. And that's attainable. Thank you. Thank you. Um, last question. How do you get yourself to stick to your food plan? I ask Higher Power to help me, and it only works sometimes. Um, I allow that caveat that if I want to change something, I have to call it in, call in the change, and then it's okay. And I have two optional snacks that are vaguely defined. So again, there's some wiggle room there. And um, I have found that if I am really don't want to call my sponsor about this change, it's probably not a good idea. So um, they, if I start calling too often, I start feeling bad about calling. So that means I need to tighten up a little bit. But um, just giving myself some wiggle room has really helped me. Thanks. Dave again. Uh, one one thing that uh, that that I've tried to adopt is is this word persistence. You know, uh, I want God to work instantaneously. You know, I want to drive through the God restaurant and have Him take care of it because so, I'm busy on my day. You know, I may I I had to go back out and eat some more food. I went to I went to see a a, a man named Bill Bluestein who's passed away. Uh, I, I, I was trying to get my abstinence back, and Bill was in the hospital down in San Diego for his emphysema or allergies or something. He was in terrible shape. And I thought back about that, and I went to see Bill to, to have him tell me how to get, because I put him on a pedestal to get my abstinence back. And, and he told me, and I, and I, I, don't, I don't think I, <laughs> it's very self-centered, I don't think I asked Bill, how are you doing, Bill? How's the treatment going? I just said, I can't even have that. Bill, tell me he's in bed, for God's sakes, in the hospital. I feel good about that. And, and he said, you know, your relapse is part of your recovery. It's part of the path you're on. You're an evolving spiritual being, you know, and, and be, just keep, keep on keeping on. Some days are not going to be, you know, you know, persistence is omnipotent. That's the big thing. That's what we are in here. Nobody's, nobody's ever done this thing perfectly. You know, I know people that have been in for years. You know, and, and I, I, they're friends of mine. <laughs> and uh, you know, we're we're all on this thing together. And and uh, you know, God, sooner or later, God will relieve the obsession. I believe it happened to me. I can't deny that. It's, you know, it's, it's different for all of us. If you, if we had a pat answer, we wouldn't have to come here. We'd read it in a book. We just have to. I think we just have to go through this thing. Are all individuals? Some of us. I've seen teenagers come in here and go, "My God, she went through the steps already." It took me four years to get started. You know, 
Uh, how do you answer that? You know, it's just persistence. Thank you. The one thing that I had a thought about that was uh, if I had a sponsor once who told me um, that when I was making my food plan to make my food very healthy, very colorful, and um, just look magnificent, for me, um, that meant a lot of variation in my food plan, in what I was going to eat. Um, if I catch myself eating the same meal over and over and over again, I'm not going to be able to stay on my food plan. So the best way for me to keep on that food plan is to turn it over and make sure that I have varied meals written down that I'm going to prepare and keep the variation going so that I don't get bored. Please join me in thanking Dave, Colette, and Natalie. Thank you all for sharing your experience, strength, and hope. And hopefully you've received something that you need to hear as well. It's now time to close our session. Uh, please join me in a moment of silence, followed by the third step prayer. We can, yes, please stand up, and if you want to link hands, we can. Uh, we're going to stay up here, Dave, so that she doesn't have to walk down. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. Here. Okay, can we link up? Is everybody linked up? Sort of, kind of. Okay. Perfect. God, I offer myself to Thee to build with me and to do with me as Thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do Thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victor over them may bear witness to those I would help of Thy power, Thy love, and Thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Keep coming back. It works if you work it and you're worth it.